right, we are back. Tim. Hello, everyone. Tim is in for Mark, a.k.a. Loverboy. If anybody <laughs> wants to go onto the Facebook page, tag Mark on anything and just put hashtag Loverboy. Uh, go to the right place. <laughs> Mark is in Paris. Once again, for those who are keeping up with Mark's uh, romantic escapades, um, having a good time. He texted me the other day. He was at FNAC. Oh. Uh, for people who don't know, FNAC, uh, F-N-A-C, all lowercase, is a, uh, a a chain of stores in France that is uh, the coolest place to hang out. It's uh, it's kind of more 80s deco than anything else now. It's kind of dated. But uh, FNAC has, you know, CDs and movies and books and comic like, books. It and like a, like it, a wacko? Remember you know what? It's like... In Westwood? Used to be in Westwood? No. FNAC, FNAC, is, FNAC is, like, uh, is like a camera store crossed with uh, a Best Buy, crossed with uh, a Virgin Megastore, crossed with a Barnes & Noble. Interesting. It's just, it's just, it's a cool place. I used to hang out there for hours. Anyway, he, uh, Mark was, was there looking for French Blu-rays, and uh, he... He was. Uh, he texted. He, he texted me uh, the picture of it. It's the one near the uh, the Montmartre uh, train station, and uh, he he was he was confused as to what would or would not play and what region. Oh, the region and, code thing. Yeah, well, the region code because it's A and B. It's not one and two and three. It's you know when you get to Blu-ray, it's letters, and uh, it's it's a little weird because most of the things are B, but they will play in A if it says all region. Mm. But there's also like. It's strange because we're in Region A, which is all of North and South America and, I think, Japan and Hong Kong. But then I think it's only um, one – there's one country in South America that's actually Region B. And I think it's Probably the Venezuelans. I think it's – no, I think it's Dutch Guiana. Oh. I think it's Dutch Guiana that that is – yeah. For some strange, weird, anyway, being all Euro, yeah, but the, but but most but most of the French stuff tends to be um, uh, region A and B compatible because they have you know Martinique and Guadeloupe and mm-hmm. and Quebec, and so there are a lot of you know a lot of French you, you areas would have thought here. That when whenever it was that we started moving from an analog world to the digital world, particularly in broadcast television. You know, remember when we went from NTS, uh, yeah, NTSC and all that stuff yeah. here to digital? You would have thought that that, that, that would have... I, I know it has to do with currents and things like yeah. that, but you would have thought that it would have brought everything into a sort of worldwide uh, uniformity, being that it was all just digital anyway. It'll have to be eventually because... Uh... Uh, Netflix and Amazon are just tearing that all apart. Yeah, they have to. Yeah, they're tearing it apart. I yeah. mean, anything you know, a, a new show here is a new show in Japan is a new show in Russia. You, you, you know, we we talked about this I think uh, maybe a couple of months ago. But what's really interesting, most people they, when they binge watch things like you know Daredevil or Luke Cage or, or Iron Fist or whatever, uh, they don't they they you don't see the rest of the credits because it starts the next episode as soon as it ends. I would urge people stop just from don't don't just like it's going to start in five seconds. No, hold on, just flip that sucker back and watch the episode all the way through to the end, and mm-hmm. you will see at the end of the credits there will they will flash the the credits, the the principal credits in Chinese, mm-hmm. in Spanish, in Japanese, in Italian, in German, in French. It's kind of weird. And Turkish. In Turkish, Turkish too. Turkish is very, very sort of interesting. Because the reason why I didn't think that that would work is because I always just assumed that each of these episodes would have been very different, you know, edited yeah. differently for each one of these reasons. Nah. It never occurred to me that the nah, show that I'm doing. watching here is more or less the same as the show that they got in Turkey. Netflix, Netflix, uh, their whole strategy now is they, they, you know, it's funny because Alonzo, our, our colleague Alonzo, who often does uh, our, our uh, Christmas expert, Lafka colleague and Christmas expert on a Christmas show. So Alonzo was complaining today on Facebook that, that Netflix dropped too much stuff today. You know, this five came back and the discovery and there's like a whole bunch of things that Netflix dropped today. And it's like, and, and, I, and I said to him, I said, you know, um, that's because Netflix doesn't want you to catch up. Yeah, they want to bury you in their ecosystem so you never leave. So there's so much stuff on Netflix that you have not seen that why would you ever bother going to the CW or to NBC or anything else? It's the point of having that queue. You can yeah. put everything you've ever wanted to watch That's somewhere it. in that Netflix ecosystem yeah. on that queue. You know you got your, that queue, you and you know that there's something else on that and, queue. And that said, uh, uh, Filmstruck is uh, is slaying me as well. I, I was telling you earlier, Tim and I saw a, a screening this morning, 
And uh, last night I was up till three in the morning because I was I was doing some work and then uh, just putzing around uh, film struck and I thought, well, let's see if there's any you know they have little extras on there like there's you know Woody Allen on Ingmar Bergman. It's seven minutes long. Mm. Yeah, it's nice. It's easy. You know, I don't have to sit there for two. I'm not committed to ninety minutes or two hours. And and and, and you know, damn it, son of a bitch, I. <laughs> Turn on Filmstruck, and you know, at, at one in the morning, at midnight, am I really in the mood to watch? You know, Ingmar Bergman. No. Am I in the mood for neorealism? No. Am I in the mood for uh, you know uh, Jean-Pierre Melville? No. Am I in the mood for Muriel's Wedding? You better believe it. So there I was at uh, three o'clock in the morning watching uh, Muriel's Wedding, which is now on uh, Filmstruck, and that that movie just slays me. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah. That was my I think that was my first experience with her as an actor. It was. That was her her big debut. She'd done like yeah. a couple of shorts prior to that, like something like Aussie New Zealand. Type, she was twenty one. Type things. Yeah. Twenty one. Yeah. Tony, Tony Collette. Collette. Yeah. yeah, and Rachel Griffiths was uh, like twenty four or twenty five. You know, she, that too. was one of one of her first things. I mean, yeah. they both came of age on that show. Yeah, in yeah, that was, movie. Yeah, I mean, so such an insanely funny movie, but so bittersweet. Oh, it's so it's just and, it, and the you know the the thing that still gets me with Muriel's Wedding are the looks. So much of that movie takes place in the eyes. Yeah, uh, the eyes, the, you know, the looks from the other girls, the uh, the. The scene where she's uh, where where she's you know agreeing to marry that South African swimmer who needs to switch who needs to switch uh, nationalities because you know he wants to enter the Olympics and the you know apartheid and all that and the more she talks and makes goo goo eyes at him the more horrified he absolutely looks this bronze god this <laughs> god of the swimming pool and this look of sheer terror on his face as to what he's about to get into it's just. It's all in the eyes. It's beautiful. You know what I meant beautiful. to ask you about, though? I know we have to start the show eventually. But, yes. Uh, so the, um, the the theatrical exhibitors, uh, of course, are being uh, worked over this week by yeah. the, uh, by the, by the um, uh, studios. Yes. Uh, and one of the central issues is, look, um, you know, the studios, we, yeah. we need to be able to get these movies faster for people yeah. in their homes. We need to close that window. Yep. And the exhibitors are not having it. No. Unless they are. What do you think? Um... I think Unless they are, whether they want to or not, is so, it's my real question. I, I, you know, uh, there are there are sort of two answers. To, well, there are more than two answers to this, but there are, there are two things that I think we we have to consider right now. First, is that this model, the only way that they can make it work, is by promising the exhibitors a piece of the pie, the piece of the overall pie. They're asking so, for close to thirty, or they're offering like twenty or something. Yeah. Like so so you know, it's it's a little weird that they don't like. Right now, they don't like the split. They keep trying to bury exhibitors on the split. You know, opening weekend split, we're going to, uh, you know, we're now we're taking 80, and you're going to get 20 or 90, 10 or whatever it is, and by the time it slides down to 50, 50, nobody's in the theater anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's why exhibitors are getting squeezed. So they don't like that split, but what they are going to do is they're going to give them a larger percentage of box, or they're going to give them a percentage of box office to begin with that they never would have had before, and DVD and Blu-ray and streaming, and we're going to kind of cut them in on the whole... Thing, just the entire to, the entire you're, lifeline. You're, you're, I mean, it's kind of like a gangster sort of, you know, buying somebody's silence or cooperation or the guy on the, you know, there, there's something very um, kind of racketeering about it. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it has to go in that direction in a way. But here's the other thing. Everyone's going to experiment with this. Some movies really should never be in theaters. Some movies should just go straight to Netflix. Yeah. Or Amazon. They should just go straight streaming. They shouldn't take up space in theaters. Theaters should be a major experience. And the other thing is, the more that my living room has become a theater, the more that theaters have become like my living room. I think we're going to move back to movie palaces and movies that are worthy of palaces. Thus because the reclining seats and yeah, the uh, cocktails and all that business. I can turn my, my living room into a theater, but I can't turn my living room into a palace. Mm. That theater that's turning into my living room, I can take that theater and turn that into a palace. Mm. I can make that place really amazing. I can, you know, we can start to build a place where 1,100 people will gather and will go nuts for something incredible, and they'd be willing to stand in line for it. But you got to make that movie. And that's what they're not doing right now. They're not making those movies. So well, they thought that they... they I think they're going to experiment were, with it. You know, they, they thought that those movies were... In, anything in IMAX 3D, yeah. they assumed, was yeah. one of those movies. I, I, I see IMAX as diminishing 
again. Not so much IMAX, but 3D. Yeah. IMAX is IMAX. Yeah. 3D, you know, that gimmick has yeah. come around for what is it, the fourth time now? Is this Something the fourth? Like that. Is this the fourth yeah. generation of uh, of 3D? Yeah. And I see that going away. 3D TVs didn't make it. Nope. I got two buddies who bought those goofy things, and you yeah. know, whatever. Um, so 3D is not going to do it. IMAX really is not going to do it either. No. If you if 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 you ask me, um, I think that content. We've, we've got it's about another content. three super, you know, three or four iterations of superhero stuff to fill. Yeah. And then after that, what? Man? I think I it's it's gonna I, I'm gonna make a prediction, and I'm almost always wrong with my predictions. But I think this is gonna take about I think this is gonna take about you know, the better part of 10 years to shake out. I think it's going to take about 10 years for us to sort of see what consumers want and what... In the theater, in as the theater. opposed to... And, and I think it's going to take about 10 years for Amazon and Netflix and whatever other companies, be it, you know, Google or Apple or whoever else decides to kind of, you know, come in and throw their, their weight around. I think it'll take about that long for that to all sort of shake out and for us to sort of see... Who's going to go to see what? Who wants to see what? How? Are we going to have, you know, teenagers watching movies on their phones and 30-somethings watching them at home and 50-somethings going to the theater? Or is it going to be flipped? You know, but it's all going to still exist. It's just going to be... It'll what, all still exist. Who's going to see what movie where? Where, exactly. That's, That's what we'll find out. I was trying to get out. And, and whether or not the economies of scale in each place will support that movie uh, right. existing in that place. Yes. Your Buck 95 movie may never, ever really be able to support an actual legitimate theatrical uh, distribution. Yeah. Um, uh, you have to have enough moviegoers to go see a you know $150 yep. million dollar movie to support a theatrical yep. distribution. You have to Absolutely. Have but that means you got to start picking movies that people are willing to... Uh, you know, to pay 17, 18, I imagine in 10 years, 20, 25 bucks to go see. Once you're paying 25 bucks a ticket, you look, dude, somebody's going to have to sing a song, do a little dance. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need true. I'm going to need all kinds of stuff to happen before I go home three hours from now. Anyway, I'm done. Off my So, well, I'm going to I'm going to start off. Mark's uh, Mark's not here, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to dig into some anime. And uh, Tim, I'm going to give you a break for a few minutes to uh, to catch up on a few things. Uh, and I'm going to uh, tout some really really cool anime this week. Uh, it's just amazing. This is the golden age of anime on on DVD and Blu-ray because this stuff is not easy to see uh, any other way. Fifty-two episodes of Kimba the White Lion. On, uh, on DVD, uh, 10 discs. This, if you don't know Kimba the White Lion, you really, really seriously need to. In the, in the history of anime, you know, there's sort of Astro Boy and Speed Racer and, and Kimba. And I, I don't know if there's really anything else. Um, but this was one of the very, very first uh, anime shows that actually took root in the U.S. for obvious reasons. Because, you know, it's a white lion. How do you, how, come on. Look at that cute little guy. Ridiculous. It's insanely cute. Kimba is just one of the cutest creatures ever. Frankly, looks a little bit more like a like some kind of an Australian uh, like a teddy bear or something. Yeah, like there you are, cat. It doesn't, Kimba doesn't look like a lion. She doesn't but, have any teeth. Yeah, <laughs> okay, it, so. it, it's just too funny. But anyway, uh, tons of other great animals here. You know, there's a parrot and there's a baboon, and it, it, it's just very, very charming and very, very sweet. Uh, and what's also interesting about this is that you can sort of see some ideas here that bled into the Lion King. Oh, really? Very obviously and very directly, which I had completely forgotten about. There is lots here that clearly inspired Disney's The Lion King. Um, and Kimba's really, really great. And the animation holds up and it's fun. And I, I don't think you can go wrong with that at all. Um, we, uh, there's a film that was uh, pushed to us as well during awards season, which I think is really sharp. Did you watch Miss uh, Hosukai? Oh, yeah. It was good. Yes, it was very it good. It was really good. I mean, there was a lot of great anime. I was going to say, that, you know, tough for it that there was so much great anime I mean, last year. Uh, I mean, the, the, the Red, Red, Turtle. Red Turtle and then... Uh, Even the American films. I mean, I like Kubo and the Two Strings and Zootopia. And, my Name and, my was the name. one that everyone loved, yeah, really loved in our group. Uh, zu uh, my, uh, zucchini, my life is a zucchini. Yeah. Another outstanding film. So, uh, Miss Hosokai is really, really great. This is uh, from the same people that did Ghost in the Shell, which is now out in a live action version yeah. with mm -hmm. uh, Charlotte Scarlett Johansson, which everyone is controversial. Yeah, because she's not Asian. But uh, anyway, it's funny because today when I heard people talking about it, they were more upset because she's sort of like fake naked through most of the movie. <laughs> oh, and I'm like, that—that's the thing you're. Oh, never mind. All right. Well, anyway. Um, so, uh, the, um, this is a, this takes place in feudal Japan. The artwork is very much designed to emulate a lot of that, the painting, that really gentle, 
uh, artwork for, that we associate with feudal Japan that, you know, is all, always, when you, whenever you go into like a very, very old Japanese restaurant or something, you see it on the walls. It's beautiful. It's very fluid, very poetic. So that's, that's what this animation is designed to emulate. And uh, it is really, really beautiful. It is extremely uh, delicate and very, very carefully put together. And uh, it's essentially, the you know, accordingly, it's the story of an artist and, and the desire to be a great artist and to, you know, do great art and what does that mean. And uh, going into, you know, the, uh, the big city, which at the time is, is Edo, which predates Tokyo. It's where Tokyo would eventually be established. And, um, you know, what you have to do, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a wonderful story. It's really, really great. Miss Hosukai, first rate all the way. And then we've also got uh, The Betrayal Knows My Name, the complete series, which is, uh, you know, a, uh, it's, it, this gets into that um, mystical fantasy magic stuff that anime often does where it really loses me. It's, uh, it, you know, they all have, every single one of these shows kind of creates their own world and their own magic and their own rules and it, it's real unless you're a diehard fan and you've really been with it from beginning and all the way to the end uh it's very very hard to get a grip on uh this one kind of didn't really really work for me um but uh you know i know it's popular so i'm going to cut it a lot a lot of slack and uh if somebody really loves it you know let me know uh starmyu the complete series s-t-a-r-m-y-u uh, this is also in a... Uh, now, by the way, uh, Betrayal Knows My Name is DVD only. Starmew is Blu-ray and DVD combo set. These next, uh, This and the next one I'm going to mention, both combo sets. Uh, Starmew is, you know, it's, uh, it gets into the... This is of the scholastic variety. And it all is about a guy who's a you know, first-year student at the, this academy who want where you, um, you, know, you, you sort of learn to be... Well, it's, I, I, don't worry about it. It's seriously. It's uh, it's it's all kind of uh, college politics and college theatrics, very uniquely Japanese. No reason to really particularly worry about the the particulars of it, unless you are into the whole scholastic, especially the collegiate scholastic stuff in in Japanese anime. It's very very parochial. Um, not that not terribly interesting. So uh, much more interesting is the uh, female centric Scrapped Princess complete series, also on Blu-ray and DVD. Uh, and this is, uh, this gets in, this is a little bit kind of more mystical, but it's more accessibly mystical, which is about this girl named Pacifica Kasul. I love that name. Uh, Pacifica Kasul is, um, she, it's like the inverse of the Luke Skywalker thing, the, the, uh, the inverse of the, uh, Joseph Campbell stuff. She is not the savior. She's the one that's going to destroy the world. So she's on, she's on the run, right? Mm. Because the prophecy says you're the enemy of all mankind. And uh, it's really interesting. Um, she's referred to as the poison, and it's uh, it's really it's kind of a dark. it's dark and it's fascinating and it's really intricate and uh, very very well written and beautifully animated. Uh, then there is the world's greatest first love. Uh, this is on DVD only and really deserves to be. Uh, it's at, the complete title is Sekaiichi Hatsukoi. I practiced that and I still mutilated it. The world's greatest first love. I know we've got Japanese listeners. Please be kind to me. I, I you know, it's not my first language or my second language. No, I'm no. trying. You speak I'm, English and French. You can um, back up a little Japanese. I'm trying hard. Um, but uh, th again, this is more. Uh, this is more of that collegiate stuff, and it, uh, you know, it's it's soap opera. It's like semi comedic soap opera uh, set in the Japanese collegiate and professional world. Doesn't really work for me. Hate to say, sorry to say. Uh, Aquarian Lagos, as long as we're in the uh, whole Transformers, get that right, get that robo, and all the rest of that stuff, uh, you know, impregnable in, in suits and giant robo robots. Uh, Aquarian Lagos is out. Uh, this is uh, a Blu ray DVD combo pack. And uh, this is part two, comprises episodes 14 through 26. Um, it's, you know, one of the better ones of all that, that particular genre. Uh, it's sort of where Robotech needed to go, but didn't. So that's really cool. And then we've also got, uh, let's see, Psychic School Wars. Okay, so back to the, to the scholastic stuff. So, um, this is the guy who did Gunslinger Girl, and it is visually just as impressive. It's just as cool in every single way. Uh, I would almost say maybe a little bit better. Uh, this is where you mix the whole cyberpunk science fiction thing, the mystical thing, 
with the scholastic thing actually kind of works. It's mm. pretty fun. So uh, Psychic School Wars, uh, I would recommend that. Blu-ray DVD combo pack. Japanese kids just must have a terrible time in school. I mean, I'm so glad that I didn't have to go. I went to some tough inner city schools, but I think they sound easy. Yeah, somewhat these Japanese kids had to deal with. You know what? It's it's uh, life in Japan is is a is a whole different deal, man. Yeah. I mean, every there, there, there was it's just every time some strange new thing happens, it starts in Japan. Some new cool invention starts in Japan. People using their phones to you know buy cars online at yeah. an auction site that happens in Japan. And there's something. What was this? What was this? The, the new thing. The the two thousand dollar melons. Have you seen this? No, this is new. These are these like gourmet melons that are that are farmed into certain shapes. Like they will build a box, and it's like a, it's like a melon that's shaped like a strawberry, a melon that's shaped like a like a like a, a pyramid, a me- <laughs> like these gourmet melons. But people pay like the equivalent of two thousand dollars for a grown single melon. Grown this way, not carved this no, way. No, grown this way. Picked off the vine. Grown, the weirdest thing in the world. Brilliant. Yeah. I, I, I know. I mean, you know, what a what a way to make a buck. I'd, I'd become a melon farmer in a heartbeat. Can you imagine? Good grief. I can't imagine somebody buying a $2,000 melon. So I would see these things would miss me because I know. I, I don't have that sort of an imagination. I, I know. I, just, I, I would call it ludicrous, and that I would know. be it. I know. So, um, boy, this is a weird one. Um, Buso, Buso Shinkai, Armored Warrior Goddess. So... Um, I don't. I almost don't even know where to even go with this. Uh, by the way, T- Tim's got TV on in the in the back, and I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at the Muppets and Jeffrey Tambor. I have no <laughs> idea what is playing on across the room. Muppets in space, man. Oh, is that what that you know? Muppets in space, Ray Liotta's in that movie. I haven't seen that in a long time, boy. Yeah, I'm glad well. to hear that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Although it's on in my house. Anyway, uh, so this is oh gosh, this is such a such a strange thing. This is about little tiny android women that are six inches high, and um, they're they're like I mean they're not really toys they're they're on they're they're androids they're six inch tall android women yeah and um, there's it, it I and that's there you go I <laughs> I just don't know I you know it's the strangest thing. Anyway, they're they're gorgeous and they're hot and they're cool and they have you know the the obligatory mechanized suits and the whole deal, mm-hmm. but um, you know the whole um, Gundam thing. It's very very Gundam inspired, but they're little tiny women. Okay, I'm sure that's. I'll, I'll tell you who's not tiny. The not tiny women are the uh, the the little the little cute little floozies, the little big eyed blonde floozies in uh, uh, Prisma Ilya. Oh gosh, I can never do this one. Prisma Ilya two-way hers. <laughs> oh, I'm, I know that's not. These titles just always kill me. But, Sometimes but you know I think what? It's just a phonetic. It just phonetically be. hacking things up. You know, uh, look, the it's a little bit of magic. It's a little bit of cute girls and uh, a, a lot of really fun animation and some kind of silly humor. And uh, you know, it's uh, it's anime. It is a thing. So, Attack on Titan is uh, a, a pretty pr- terrific concept. The, the the whole Attack on Titan thing has really, um, really taken off. What I'm not sure about, and maybe I'm wrong on this, is the uh, this Attack on Titan junior high thing that they've come up with, which is extremely peculiar. Um, uh, email us at gods at digigods.com. Let me know if you've seen this and if you have any understanding for it, any affinity for it. The thing I always like about Attack on Titan, if you follow it, you know, the Titans are this certain this this alien race and they're kind of stupid and uh, they eat people and there's a whole whole mythology to it. Uh, but Attack on Titan uh, here is they completely reimagine the whole concept into this very strange little junior high thing, which is common in anime, but uh, I don't know that this works. It's It tries to be funny where it shouldn't be funny. It tries to tie in with the, the whole Attack on Titan world. It seems to be kind of a reconsider. It's like, you know, Mark and I make fun of this all the time. It's like with the, the uh, uh, like, baby Muppets or the uh, the mm. junior teenage uh, DC I, uh, yeah, heroes. Yeah. Like, we got to make, or, or like, uh, Tiny Tunes, right? Tiny it, tunes. Like, if first, something... That's the first one, yeah. If, if something works in an adult format, let's make them all children. I don't think that's a good idea. Not necessarily, no. no. Particularly if you... Is, is, 
if as children versions of the adult thing, they do all the same stuff. You know, it's just like, no. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. It's, uh, it's not good. <gasps> That's crazy. Uh, all right. So we got some Gundam stuff here. Uh, so more more in the world of Gundam. I'm going to go through this real quickly because Gundam is uh, Gundam is you know it's Gundam. I mean the Mobile Suit Gundam is is one of the legendary anime franchises of all time. It spawned franchises into franchises. So we have Mobile Suit Gundam and the Dance Craze. Don't forget the yeah. Dance Craze. The, the Dance. Oh, thank. That, well, that that's Gundam. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Just hacking yeah. Uh, so hacking. Mobile Suit Gundam uh, Five or V. However you want to say it, Mobile Suit Gundam V Collection Two, um, terrific animation, really, really great. I'm I'm far too disconnected from this world and not uh, as fiercely attached to the the narrative uh, as some people. So uh, a lot of this goes right over my head. So from a story standpoint, I gotta kind of miss it. Um, you know, the whole uh, League Militaire and and their you know, all this strategy and tactics stuff that goes on and and what they're fighting and why. I can't, I, I can't really connect to it. So I got to look at it from a purely uh, aesthetic standpoint. And the aesthetic is, is great. It's really, really great. This is from Right Stuff and Sunrise. And then uh, Mobile Suit Gundam uh, 0083 uh, is, it takes place in the Universal Century. And uh, if you kind of know a little bit of the mythology of Gundam, you know, this is uh, after the One Year War. And now the Earth Federation is kind of facing new challenges and uh, uh, some interesting kind of machinations go on between the various uh, factions here. And, uh, you know, you got the Xeon Thieves and there's a lot of really, really cool stuff here. I don't think the animation here is quite as imaginative as it is in the other one, but it's still really, really good. Uh, there are 13 episodes here. And uh, it continues to really impress me how they, they continue to sort of expand the Gundam mythology. It's very impressive. And just a few more here. Um, uh, Luck and Logic. Uh, the complete series. Luck and Logic is a... Um, Okay, so Luck and Logic is on Blu-ray and uh, DVD combo set, and this is um, this is kind of the, uh, the 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 pantheistic, polytheistic mythology of Japan, uh, imposed on kind of a cyberpunk background. Uh, it takes place in the uh, it's it's very much like Thor, kind of you know in the uh, Marvel world. It's very similar gods and gods coming down to Earth, and uh, these you know beasts that are known as the foreigners. Um, it's an interesting mythology. Uh, I, I I would be much more impressed if it uh, if it were a little better animated. It's kind of it's made more for kids. It's uh, it's all kind of scaled down. If they made this much more adult, much more kind of like 17, 18 year old, uh, I think it would work better. But anyway, it's still really interesting, and um, you know, I, I could I could see them going a, a little bit further, doing some more stuff like that. Heavy Objects season one part two. Uh, I. I think we covered season one, part one, uh, but just in case we didn't, this is um, uh, a complete straight up uh, inter interstellar intergalactic war series, kind of in the vein of uh, Star Blazers from way back, which is still one of my favorites, and uh, it's good. It's good. Uh, you know, the uh, the character designs are really sharp. The uh, the art direction is really sharp. I uh, I like it. I I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of room for this thing to grow. It's really really cool. And then lastly is Steins Gate. That's Steins with a semicolon between Steins and Gate. Steins Gate. Uh, the movie, Load Region of Deja Vu. The titles they come up with is so strange in English. I'm sure that works better in the original translation. Uh, Steins Gate is a pretty terrific series. And uh, this all takes place in the Steins Gate world. And uh, which is not quite like our world, obviously. It's, a, it's all very futuristic and otherworldly and... Uh, you know, it's it, it has a certain has a certain very alien vibe to it, and uh, not, I wouldn't say you know Starship Troopery, but it is kind of Starship Troopery anyway. Um, really beautifully animated, just absolutely fantastic artwork and character designs, really really great, uh, first rate. That is a Blu-ray and DVD combo pack, and uh, if you are not familiar with Steins Gate, uh, you should be. But this is a good standalone movie. It's a great introduction. You don't have to sort of watch anything else. So Steins Gate the movie. 
Lord Regent of Deja Vu. Um, one of the best mad scientists I've ever seen in uh, anything ever. Really fun. All right, Tim. Let's uh, let's get on to some uh, other stuff. What do we got going on here? You first? know what? Let's let's talk some. Uh, here we go. Hold on. Let's let's do this because this is maybe the the biggest thing this week, and this is what a lot of people are talking about. And I do want to get into some um, 4K talk for a second. So, Fantastic Beasts and yeah. Where to Find Them, which won uh, Best Costume over La La Land at the Oscars recently, and, and it my didn't sadness. even deserve that. Yeah. So, Fantastic Beasts is out on uh, 4K Ultra HD. And in order to sort of bolster that, uh, Warner has gone crazy. And they are, <laughs> seriously, they've gone nuts. So they've released the last four Harry Potter films on 4K. How many, how many Yates uh, do of that series, uh, the Harry Potter films? Oh, he did the, what is it, the last three? Yeah. I think of, it was the last three. Of that. So he carries over into Fantastic Beasts. Because I, yes. like, I like the Yates Harry I Potter. I do too. No, he's a good director. He was, a, he was a good find for them. I mean, a perfect fit. So so anyway, they so we've released Fantastic Beasts and the last four Harry Potter films, which sort of carry into that. Now, Fantastic Beasts is a prequel. Yeah. So so it's a little bit weird to me that the four the first four Harry Potter films have not yet been released on 4K. It's the last four. Yeah. So if you want to introduce your kids to Harry Potter, you got to show them Blu-rays for the first four films, then 4Ks for the next ones if you want to do it that way. But anyway, we, we now have 4K for the last half of the Harry Potter saga. So all of this is out. Well, the reason why they had to do that is because you need the Harry Potter films to be a support in support yes. of Fantastic Beasts and the as most they roll out because, frankly, Fantastic Beasts just wasn't very good. You know what, and, and let's talk about that for a second. It, why is it, why, what was it missing that the Harry Potter films had? Because, look, I, I remember that when that first Harry Potter film, that Chris Columbus film, is just a boring mess. It's mm -hmm. just terrible. And eventually it got less Chris Columbus-y and more British-y as they kind of moved on. They started getting English directors. Well, who's the second one? Caron? Quaron was the second one. Yeah, the strong, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and so very, very good. Yeah, and uh, you know, you know it, it eventually kind of found its sea legs. I yeah. still think Prisoner of Azkaban is the best one. But you know but, what I think it really is with respect to the Harry Potter uh, um, uh, films is that they follow the books in chronological order. Yeah, and the books get better as as they go. Yeah, she becomes a better writer. That's as interesting. It's a good go. point. It all deepens and darkens as they go. That happens in the actual narrative. Of the book, so so it shows up in the movies, and then you know, like I said, like you said, with the directors and whatnot, and there it is. It is nevertheless strange to me, though, that Fantastic Beasts feels more like that first Harry Potter film. It does, doesn't it? it? it it's more childish, and it wants to be kinder and and gentler and, and gentler and all yeah. of that. And I'm like, but you know what? You've already you, look. We've killed four or five kids. I know we <laughs> technically haven't yet, you know, because this, but you've already ruined my innocence. Yeah, so you can't you be know, a child. Yeah, you can't do that. So, uh, from year five, we've got Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Uh, year six, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. And then Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, parts one and two. Uh, year seven, and then Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. That's how all this shakes out. Uh, piled sky high with extras in every single case. Uh, extras primarily on the Blu-ray here, not on the, uh, on the 4K. Uh, there's just not enough room on 4K discs for all these extras now. That's one of the, the, the shortcomings of 4K. Is it you know you're you're pretty much limited to the movie and only the movie. But um, there's some really good stuff on uh, Fantastic Beasts. I gotta say uh, the extras that are on the Harry Potter films, you you by and large you've seen all of them already. Uh, but there's this um, there's some really really interesting uh, featurette stuff on Fantastic Beasts. Is actually more interesting than the movie itself. Uh, I, I here's my question for you, Tim. Mm. Uh, do you think that Fantastic Beasts, in terms of its backstory, adds anything. Going back to watch the Harry Potter movies, do you, if you assume that backstory of of Newt's, uh, yeah, yeah, and, and all of that, and you does that does that through. do anything? Does it make those films more interesting or not really? Not really. No, you, the, I agree. the thing that I liked about Fantastic Beasts is that it was set in New York. Yeah. Yeah, you know, in I guess quasi turn of the when it was what, yeah. what was it turn of the century or something. Like yeah. That? Uh, and that was that was an interesting twist, but they didn't do a whole lot with it. Um, so, but no, no. Look, I, I'm sorry. I, you know, I'd, I'd love to throw in and say, yeah, no, all of these together. But no, you don't ever need to see Fantastic no. Beasts. No, not ever. Uh, so um, now let's talk about Assassin's Creed. Now, uh, Mark and I covered the uh, the, the Blu-ray of this. They went and sent us a, a 4K on this. Uh, first of all, let me just say the 4K on all the Harry Potter stuff. 
primo. Warner yeah. Brothers totally kills it. It's all reference standard stuff. Really, really outstanding. There's not a not a bad transfer anywhere in there. So Warner is really raising the bar on on 4K at this point. I don't think anybody else is uh, is in Warner's uh, uh, ballpark. Not even close. Fox and Universal are trying to. Universal doesn't send us any 4K stuff yet because they're you know pulling their punches. Fox does, but I gotta say, uh, Warner's head and shoulders above Fox in the 4K department. Much better crew. Oh, do you have two discs here? Uh, were you a, were you a gamer of this one? No, I, we we hated the movie, but but uh, didn't, didn't care for the movie yeah. either. Like Jerry and the Iron's performance. Yeah, you know, he, in you know, Assassin's he, Creed. Yeah, it's, it's always interesting to see these sort of exceptional actors cast into uh, Tokyo Jeremy Irons in this particular case, sort of roaming through these sort of big crazy movies. Yeah. That come out of the gaming world, or you know, whatever. Sometimes the graphic novel world, and and see what they do with this material. Generally speaking, you know, it, it, it can be good sometimes. Uh, Jeremy Irons is doing that thing that I like when he's simply playing it like Shakespeare. Yeah. As far as he's concerned, he's not in some big goofy movie about assassins. He's just doing he's just doing some wacky Shakespeare <laughs> that they just found and unearthed, and he just sort of plays it like that. You know, other than that, I don't know, uh, not so much. But it's a it's an okay film. Lots of stuff on there. The two this set. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good looking four K. It's just not a good movie. Yeah. All right, one more four K this week. They have re- because the Smurfs two is coming out soon. <laughs> I know. Honestly, what are they thinking? So we now have the Smurfs in 4K Ultra HD. Uh, I don't even know where to go with this. Bluer uh, than ever. I don't. I just don't even know why this exists in the world. You know, when I stopped watching Saturday morning television, uh-huh. when I got when I realized I was too old to watch Smurfs. That's that was it. Seriously, I, I remember the fir- the whatever year it was that the Smurfs came on. Mm-hmm. That was the year I stopped watching Saturday morning television because I thought to myself, you know. If Electra Woman and Dyna Girl were still on, I, I I'd be totally into that because I, I kind of think Dyna Girl is hot. Yeah, and, yeah. and I, I don't know. I've told Mark. We talked about this in the show. Did you? Did I ever tell you that Dyna Girl's husband was once my chiropractor? <laughs> no, I, I never told you that. Okay. No. Yeah. Well, I'll tell the story again. I told, Mark knows the story. The listeners know the story. Um, years ago, I had I was in an accident. Christy and I were both in an accident. Uh, got you know rear-ended by a guy I in a truck. Yeah, I remember that. Well, there's been a few of them, but this was a guy in a truck rear-ended as we're turning into the you know a parking lot. Anyway, it was a horrible thing. Really got some back was just messed up, and uh, so I went to this chiropractor, and um, he started uh, you know I was I'm like, yeah I'm a film critic. Oh my wife's an actress. Oh that's right. Whose isn't right? You know this is L.A. Yeah. <laughs> oh that's fabulous. What commercial did she do ten years ago? You, you just get very cynical. And he goes, yeah, you know, she was on a she was on a TV show once. I was like, oh, really? Which one? He goes, Electra Woman and Dinah Girl. M- my pubescent ears perked up. I was like, really? <laughs> he goes, yeah, yeah. She play- you ever heard of the show? I was like, yeah, I heard of the show. He goes, well, she played Dinah Girl. I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. Stop the presses. My chiropractor is married to Dinah. You scored <laughs> Dinah Girl? You? My, my kind of, my, like, very ordinary. How did you score... And he whips out his wedding photo. And there's my chiropractor in a bad white suit standing next to Dinah Girl in a wedding dress. It was fantastic. That's fantastic. So I couldn't watch Saturday morning animation when most of it stopped yeah. being live action. Because when you yeah. allowed to look at most Saturday morning animation, it was live action of one yeah. sort or another. You know, yeah. Maybe Muppets or something like that, but live action-ish. Yeah. And then by the late 70s, it was all... Well, Smurfs is what did me in. So anyway, we got 4K Smurfs. I really don't know the point to this. It, it, it Does it look good? Yeah, it's it's meticulous animation. I mean, I'll give them that. It's really, really great animation. But I, I just don't I don't get it. Uh, you know, you got uh, you got a Blu-ray on, with the movie and special features and then a 4K disc with the movie only. Uh, this is from Sony. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, they for example... You know what they call the bloopers on this thing? They have they have an outtake reel. They are blooper, B L U E. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh gosh, stop it! The whole thing—it's just really insufferable. Yeah, All right. Well, anyway. Um, a Rogue One. Oh yeah. Uh, taking a look at Rogue One here, uh, Blu-ray DVD. Look, uh, first of all, Rogue One uh, prequel. I didn't think it was the worst movie in the world, but frankly, again, I've seen this movie already. <laughs> I saw it in 1977 when you called it Star Wars. I saw it again. Anyway, it, it's 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 perfectly fine. Um, sort of sets everything up nicely. This looks fantastic. 
It's a, it is. You got to be a fan, though. Look, if you're not a fan of this stuff, yeah. then you don't really have, you have any reason to go here whatsoever. It walks you right up to the spot where you think it walks yeah. you up to. If I, it has one thing uh, going for it, it's Felicity. I think she's just absolutely She's fantastic. She's, she's great. fantastic. Yeah. And I do love the whole sort of girl power thing these last two movies have done. Yep. Uh, if you're going to do something with this uh, series of movies, uh, then at least do that. You know, they were very, very boy-oriented things from the middle 70s until, you know, whatever, however long George, uh, you know, Barbar Jinx yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Now they're these sort of girl-oriented things. Yeah. That's the thing that I appreciate about the little reboots of these Star Wars things. It's not so much the stories. You, 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 they are whatever they are, but it's not the most fantastic stuff in the world. This has, um, uh, what does it have on it? Oh, it has all kinds of stuff on it. Uh, so, I mean, more, more stuff than you can begin to mention for the Blu-ray in terms of special features. Did so, lots of stuff to play with other than just the movie. So, here, here's the thing. Uh, my little thumbnail on this. I, I thought the movie was was better in the beginning than it was later on. I thought it gets a little sloppy. The final action scene where they're on, you know, like yeah. like planet uh, Tahiti or whatever it was with the palm trees and the water. I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't, it didn't respond to that. I'm not fond of the whole CGI. Let's recreate people who are dead for yeah, 30 Carrie years. Carrie yeah. and and yeah. Uh, and Peter Cushing. The yeah. Peter, you know, it looked like sort of it was creepy to me. It's like somebody went into Madame Tussauds Wax Museum and somehow like zombie animated Peter Cushing's wax figure and put that in the movie. Yeah, didn't feel right. A, a younger and better looking sort of like Peter Cushing yeah. than Peter Cushing ever looked. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he never he, he never looked like that. And you're right. I wonder if it would freak me out more if I couldn't tell, though. You know, yeah. that sort of, what do they call it, the valley of, but being able to tell that they've messed with it. Yeah. Somehow, you know, yeah. I don't know, whatever, but well, still no. So, so, okay, Tim, go ahead and open the gift. Oh, oh what do we have here? We, 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 they sent us something, and it's, it's wrapped like a gift. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make like paper. Christmas paper. Uh, oh, what? It says Merry Effing Christmas on the paper. By the oh, what, what is it? And, oh, look at that. The office Christmas party. Unrated. Unrated. How much more filthy could it be? It was pretty blue <laughs> to begin with. I know they use all of the... the, the it's got all rules. kinds of additional footage that I guess would have made it NC-17. I don't think so. I tell you, this, this, this movie took it one notch further than I ever needed to go. Yeah, yeah. I, that first office party movie was kind of funny though so so do you do you get the feeling that all they're trying to do here is just outdo bad Santa well I was gonna say those Vegas movies oh yeah uh, is what they're trying to right. outdo but you're right you know yeah, yeah. You, you put them in, put them all in a in a certain like little basket of deplorables. So anyway, yeah, right. Jess, uh, Jennifer Aniston, Jason Bateman are the uh, are the comedy anchors for uh, Christmas Office Party, which works blue. And uh, I, you know, Kate McKinnon has a little bit of fun in the movie. What yeah. Uh, anyway. anyway, so they they the tried little, the little rapping there with the with the. That's the thing that's funny. They tried they, they, Christmas. They yeah. tried to they tried to sucker us by uh, putting it in cute wrapping paper and hope that we don't say anything bad about it. Anyway. It's a cute, it's a cute idea. The the, the wrapping paper, it's yeah. cute, but he, but somebody had to actually do that manually. I don't really understand. <laughs> anyway, where are we going? Uh, oh, I must tell you, Patterson, this Jim Jarmusch film, uh, starring Adam Driver, which yeah. to me was Adam Driver's better performance last year. He got talked about a lot for his work in Silence, which yeah. was fine. But I got to tell you, I was so surprised that this wasn't a movie that we weren't were talking about more during that Oscar. Bob Kohler, this was like his favorite <laughs> film of the year. He loved this movie. I, I truly loved the movie too. It wasn't my favorite film of the year, but it's an outstanding film. It's a very much a Jim Jarmusch film, very small. That's minimalist. the thing. Jarmusch movies never get Oscar nominations yeah. because people don't really know what to make of them. We see our. I, I see our colleague Justin Chang uh, is uh, referencing yeah. back here. He called it magical. He's quite right. It's a beautiful movie uh, about a guy named Patterson who lives in a, a little city called. Pat Patterson, where he is a bus driver, only what he mm -hmm. actually is is a poet, observing the world around him, uh, and writing these beautiful little poems, like, and, al and almost uh, like haikus. The wonderful Iranian actress uh, Golshift Farhani plays his girlfriend, which made me so happy because she's such an amazing actress, and uh, gets you know she's not really welcome in Iran anymore. Yeah. Uh, she's based out of Paris, but she she's such a great actress, and I hope she gets good more really really good American parts. Very very funny in this movie. Wonderful. Anyway, if uh, in that in that Oscar run or, or awards season last year, uh, this movie should have been there. So if you didn't if you didn't see it then, go check it out now. Not a whole lot on this Blu-ray, 
Uh, ultraviolet. You know, ultraviolet. if you want to add it to your ultraviolet library. Yeah, but you know, it would would have been nice. I don't know, a commentary track, a little yeah, some, nothing. Jarmish. Jarmish is not going to. Nah, he's you know, not going to do that. Not unless he could, you know, resurrect uh, Ghost Dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah, something like that. So okay, uh, one of the worst films I think I've probably ever seen is Why Him. Oh um, man. I just I can't I just I can't. Okay, so the the, the premise here this and I I almost wanted to go overboard on the way that I reviewed this at the time on the radio, but the I didn't. So why him basically is a premise that we have seen a thousand times, and it's 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 a premise that grows out of the 1960s, which is the very conservative greatest generation dad whose precious baby girl brings home. A boyfriend who is boom, fill in the blank. Yeah, fill in the blank. A hippie, another race, a foreigner. Sometimes uh, they play it for comedy. Sometimes they play it for drama. But yeah. it's the same. It's all the same, and it starts with guess who's coming to dinner. Yeah. And it continues with all in the family on television, and uh, it goes right on up into into you know more recent stuff like Meet the Parents. Uh, it it we we've, we've seen it a million times, and uh, this is that movie. Except it just isn't funny anymore. Yeah. Brian Cranston is the dad. Um, James Franco is the is the prospective son-in-law, who is this weird character that doesn't exist anywhere. He's this completely lovable, guileless ch- man-child who is an incredibly brilliant and super rich app m- yeah, ma- yeah. programmer no, yeah. who's covered with tattoos. Where does this person come from? He doesn't. He, that he, person he does doesn't not exist. Look, John Hamburg made he made he made he made I Love You Man, which you know what, what yeah. but he made along came Polly, which is which is I'm sorry an underrated little Jennifer Aniston Ben Stiller. Film, I agree uh, uh, with um, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. That you and I we saw that we saw that together. There, are, I have to tell everybody there are there are two moments in movies, and they are both sports related. And Tim's re- recreating them now. <laughs> oh, there are two moments head. two moments in movies where I've been at a screening with Tim. Where I thought I was going to have to give him CPR because oh. he was laughing so hard he could not control himself. Oh, I had to leave the room. The for first the muse. one, the first one was the muse. <laughs> oh my god! Where Albert Brooks and Jeff Bridges are are playing tennis, and Jeff Bridges cannot, to save his soul, <laughs> hit the tennis ball over the net, and it's all off screen. You're just watching Albert Brooks waiting to return serve, and all you hear is Jeff Bridges just talking, and you hear tick. <laughs> it hits the net. It hits the net every single time. But it goes on, and he he just puts it into the net like forty times in a row. And he looks at his racket. And he looks at it. it's just so funny. It doesn't work. Doing. This one is the basketball scene. The basketball scene with, with Philip Seymour Hoffman, oh my who cannot. It's similarly inept. Who is acting as if he is the NBA number one draft raining, <laughs> and everything he throws at the backboard. It's, it's like just, he's throwing baseball. He's just hitting the backboard at full speed. So he can't hit it. It's just horrible. Yeah. He's just dreadful. Sometimes little gems just. Anyway, John, so yeah, John Hamburg directed that, and 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 he has chops, but uh, why him is not the movie he should be doing. It's well, like you know, Meet the Parents. I mean, that's his, but you know, it's he, he gets it right, and then it just sort of goes yeah. away. Uh, oh, and by the way, yeah, Ben Stiller. Is a is a producer on Why Him as well, ah, so I mean that that pedigree is still there. Uh, we don't belong here. It's an interesting little movie that is noteworthy uh, primarily because it was one of Anton Yelchin's last films, if yeah. not his very last film. I, I I'm not sure which if it was this or the well, Star, that, that Trek Star Trek movie. Yeah, I don't know which one was actually shot first or, or second or whatever. But uh, but this is a this is a really a, a sweet independent that is otherwise uh, would otherwise not be quite as melancholy as it is. Uh, but it's you know it's a, about a dysfunctional family. Uh, Anton Yelchin's a kid. Catherine Keener's his mom. Uh, you know he's got three sisters and they are. Um, they, they're trying to kind of re- do what families and independent films always do, trying to reconcile themselves to, uh, you know, the, the, all of the issues that beleaguer this family. And uh, some really good supporting performances here, especially by Molly Shannon and Maya Rudolph, former SNL uh, actresses who, who show up here and do really, really good work as well. Carrie Elwes is another one. Um, I think this is a sharp little movie. It uh, kind of disappeared, but we don't belong here. It's on DVD from Sony. If you can find it, I definitely recommend you at least give it a rental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Youth in Oregon, um, which has a really fantastic cast. Yeah. 
uh, here, uh, anchored by Frank Langella. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Joel David Moore, who people will know. He's an actor. He was an avatar. He was a you know, tall, skinny yeah. guy. You know, you know, yeah. Yeah, interesting guy. For, for whatever reason, this movie with uh, Billy Crudup and Mary Kay Place and Josh Lucas and Christina Applegate and like yep. I said, Frank Langella, does not work. <laughs> uh, uh, and and they're all working really hard at it. it, yeah. it just, it's always just a little vexing to me when that happens. Yeah. Uh, it's about this uh, this guy uh, who has to drive his father-in-law cross-country to Oregon, Frank Langella, yeah. uh, because that's, that's when he gets himself euthanized in Oregon. Right. And and right there, you already know that the movie is about you know getting Frank a reason not to get himself euthanized. Yeah. In Oregon, that's yeah. what the movie's going to be about. If you kill Frank in Oregon, then it's a really yeah. fucked up movie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you can't kill Frank in Oregon, which right. means that the only thing that can happen in this script is all kinds of yeah. little cute, quirky crap, you know, yeah. to bring him around. And it does. And and no, dude, no. Because I can tell you that, that's why you don't do it. Yeah. But Joel David didn't know that. Anyway, um, uh, uh, DVD uh, here and uh, not much else on it. I, if you're a big fan of those people, what the hell? All right, uh, Tim. Uh, we got the we got three LGBT titles. We got classic movies. What do we hit first? Let's, uh, let's do those. Let's 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 jump over here. Well, one of these, a little lust, <clears throat> a little lust, uh, is Veronica Peretti's first film. It's not. It's it's kind of LGBT, but it's really it, and it is about homophobia, but it's also about bullying. Uh, it's about a little boy, a sixteen-year-old boy. Uh, who is, you know, trying to do what all 16-year-old boys are trying to do, get laid. He's just trying to get laid <laughs> by this other really cute boy. Uh, uh, but more importantly, he's, 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 he is witness to and, and engaged in uh, this sort of bullying dynamic that's going on in the school. And that's the more, that's the more interesting thing about this movie is the, bull, the bullying thing. A lot of times we, we think that that's only relevant within, you know, whatever culture it is that we're in. Uh, but it's a thing no matter what's going on. Yeah, the, yeah. Know, the gay kids sure. are bullying the crap out of each other, too. And it's sort of interesting. Italian with English subtitles, uh, TLA releasing. Uh, not a whole lot else on it, but it is incredibly, uh, not incredibly, but it's fairly, I will call it fairly funny, actually, is what I'll say about it. Uh, then we have uh, Fairhaven. It's about a young man who comes back to his family uh, farm after having been gone for a very, very uh, long, uh, for a long time. Uh, he went to one of those sort of um, gay conversion therapy farm oh, kind of things, which is all in the news now. It's sort of like a, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing that people are talking about. Um, interesting again, Tom Wopat in the film, uh, sort of playing the father, Bruce Greenwood. Tom Wopat, huh? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen Tom, him for a while. Love me some Tom Wopat. Uh, Josh Green, Gregory Harrison, also in the film. It, you know, it's an interesting subject. This is a little, um, a little on the nose for me. It has no gray areas in it, uh, so you know that's a, that's a little tough for me. Director's commentary and some behind the scenes stuff, deleted scenes, cast interviews. Uh, and Tom Wopat, who also is quite a pretty good sort of country singer. Tom uh, Wopat's a great singer. Yeah, guitar yeah. playing singer. You know, I'm, I'm glad you know. I like that. Um, uh, does a song uh, uh, for the film, and that song is also on the DVD here. Um, Fair Haven, pretty neat, uh, right there. And then, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I've got one more here uh, called Bromance. And Bromance, well. This one is a little bit more. This is the gayest of the gay films we have here. Oh. It's, it's, it's extremely gay, which is which is uh, only my way in saying uh, of saying that these sort of um, physical relationships are at the forefront of this movie, uh, which is, is actually something that I sort of like sometimes when I when I when I see these films. I like it sometimes when the films are not about any anguish whatsoever that's related to uh, being gay. Uh, nobody's. Well, they don't overplay about, it. They don't overplay it. Nobody's yeah. coming out. Everybody's already out. Everybody's. Bro- Brokeback Broke Mountain kind of could fall into that a little bit. To I a think. certain, to a, a certain, certain extent. extent. Yeah. To, a, to a certain extent, and that's where this one is. This is, you know, it's, it's sexy, it's funny, it's romantic. But you know, these are just gay guys hanging around being gay the way gay guys are gay. Yeah. And and it's funny when it's funny, and you know, a little bit of drama and all that kind of stuff. But that's all. That's all it really is. Neat. Uh, again, TLA uh, by Lucas Sant- uh, Lucas Santana Anna. Very interesting. Uh, so before we get to the classic movies, I got some uh, kid vid here. Haven't done kid vid in a while, so I can I can go through this pretty quickly. Uh, people who have kids, as I do, uh, here are some things to be recommended, not recommended. Got a new version of Heidi out uh, with Bruno Ganz of all people. Is Shirley Temple? No, this is brand new. 
Brand new, brand new really? Heidi. This is a brand new Heidi. I missed uh, I've seen probably 17 or 18 different uh, variations on this tale. I grew up with it. My mother, of course, was German, so I know this story inside out, upside down. Um, and it's been done, you know, uh, never great. And this one's still not great, but it's okay. It's better than, better than most. And Bruno Gantz is terrific. I mean, Bruno Gantz, of course, played Hitler yeah. most famously and also played an angel in Wings of Desire. He's a yeah. great actor, fantastic Swiss Thanks, actor. Actually, that grandfather was kind of an ass. He really is. But this is, you know, this is this is not bad. This is Studio Canal made this, and it's it's in German with English subtitles. But you also have an English language track. So I mean, it's 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 good. It's good. It's from Film Movement. We also have a new Peppa Pig. Nine more episodes, which are all. Just great. My daughter doesn't really love Peppa Pig as much as she used to. She's much more into uh, Disney princesses now, which we call warriors because my wife insists on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's some there's some fun episodes here, and it's still really sweet. And I keep hoping, you know. But odds are, I'm probably going to watch most of the Peppa now. And uh, Elmo and Cookie Monster, super sized fun. Uh, this is a Sesame Street. Three hours of just uh, uh, various episodes and uh, and and bits and and things. With Elmo and Cookie Monster, I there's really no consistent theme to it. It's just uh, I, I, let me put it this way: the only one here that I really, really love is Elmozilla, which is terrifying. When Elmo is the size of Big Bird, <laughs> I don't. I, I'm not so cute. Anymore. I'm a I'm a dad. I I want Elmo to be small enough for me to step on. I don't want him to be small enough, big enough to step on me. He's too dumb to be that big. Yeah. Uh, Thirty two peanuts shorts in Snoopy Tales. These are brand new Snoopy shorts. Uh, which I don't think are particularly great. It's fine. If you have to be a a Peanuts completist, it misses a little bit of the charm that it originally had. Uh, But Snoopy is always good for a laugh. Uh, I'm I'm glad these aren't, you know, longer. But anyway, it's the first time it's ever been on DVD. They even put a sticker on there to remind you of it. Uh, The Swan Princess, royally undercover. This is fine. Um, this is not really, you know, the original Swan Princess movie was an attempt by uh, an animation company to uh, uh, former Disney animators back in 93, I think it was, to create a new animation powerhouse. And it didn't really work. Mm-hmm. I was at the Cannes Film Festival the year they launched that thing, and they threw a banquet for the press and, that was not to be believed. I mean, they spent a huge amount of money, rented out a castle. It was it was an amazing Disney-like experience uh, launching that movie, and they just didn't have any money left to make anything else good. The movie was not particularly great. Um, it was directed by Richard Rich, you know, one of the former Disney animators, and uh, but they have been able to, to sort of uh, perpetuate this. Uh, the company is Nest Entertainment, so here we are, 25 years later, and Nest is still riding on the Swan Princess. They're still working it. And this time in collaboration with Sony, who releases all these things. This is all CGI animated now. It kind of looks like Sophia the First on the Disney Channel. And uh, it's perfectly fine, but there's nothing mythical about it. This Does is the really... story stay the same? Not at all. This is all new stuff. Oh, okay. This is all new stuff. Very modern. It's, kind of, it's in that Sophia the First vein. Uh, Kate and Mim Mim, musical Mimaloo. Uh I still think Mim Mim is a creepy purple rabbit that doesn't really look like a rabbit. looks more like an alien. But there's three episodes on here for people who like that show. Monster High consistently sets a very high bar, H-I-G-H, that's a pun, uh, for uh, Blu-ray animated stuff. And this Blu-ray DVD combo set with uh, Ultraviolet is, uh, is keeping in that vein. Electrified. It's the same as uh, all the other ones. It continues to be very sharp, some good writing, very good animation. Uh, Space Pop, Princess Power, uh, animated princesses in this uh, rather otherwise very, very mediocre kind of uh, female spin-off that fuses Josie and the Pussycats with Power Rangers and is not as interesting as either of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Power Rangers, which is in theaters now, yeah. and, and uh, people are not liking very much, are they? No. Too no. violent? Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> noisy movie, you yeah. know, it just moves around way too much. Yeah. Is, 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 is that thing, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, Dino Supercharge Extinction, Volume 2, 10 episodes, more of the same. This, uh, this, com- this uh, marriage between the world uh, wrestling entertainment and... Uh, Donald Trump? Uh, no. No. And, and uh, <laughs> Warner Brothers animation is very weird. Hanna-Barbera keeps getting... We get like Scooby-Doo and wrestlers teaming so it's up. it's like Jetsons? This is the Jetsons versus the WWE and Robo-WrestleMania original movie. 
It's very strange. Uh, the WWE, if that's still in existence in like 350 years yeah. when we're zipping around, and, and uh, it's just very odd. Uh, but it's an alliance that apparently has been paying dividends because wrestling fans love them some animation. Yeah, but the I guess. Jetsons? I, you know, Scooby-Doo? Okay. I, you know, I don't get it. I'm Flintstones? I'm going to stay out of it. I'm staying out of it. Uh, from Paw Patrol, Nickelodeon, Pups Save the Bunnies. This is really for little kids. Even my daughter looks at this and says, yo, you think I'm a baby? <laughs> Seriously. Uh, and also from Nickelodeon, but skewing much older, are uh, Tales of the Mutant, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Super Shredder. Uh, this is a little bit on the scary end. I was surprised at how kind of violent and graphic this was. Uh, there are... Uh, uh, like 10 episodes here, 11 episodes, and uh, it's great animation, surprisingly good, but they're really kind of pushing the envelope with that. And then lastly, a quartet of uh, PBS uh, kids' shows, Pandemonium from the Wild Kratts, uh, Odd Squad the movie, live action. Don't like Odd Squad very much. It's kind of pretentious kids. Uh, from uh, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, Daniel Visits the Farm. That score's even younger. My mm. daughter won't even talk to me anymore if I make her watch that. <laughs> And uh, Dinosaur Train, What's at the Center of the Earth, which is a lot of fun. Dinosaur Train, which is a collaboration with uh, Henson, is really a very fun show. Dinosaurs, you know, learn you learn about dinosaurs. It's very educational, mm -hmm. and, the, and the characterizations are fun. Really enjoy that show. All right, Tim, let's talk about classic uh, classic movies. What do we got? Uh, let's see. What do you want to start with? Then we we'll start with September Storm? Yeah, let's do that. So, uh, September Storm, Byron Haskin film. So anyway, this is this is about this guy. I remember this movie. This is from like 1960 or something like that. Yeah. This is a movie about this guy, black and white film, um, who uh, working on this yacht, uh, and and uh, he has this big beautiful yacht. Only it's not his yacht. He's working for this other guy. He has these two buddies, and, his, and he lets his buddies talk him into going out to find this sunken sunken treasure using his boss's yacht, uh, which is already a very clever sort of, sort of story dynamic. You know that's got to go all wrong for a whole bunch of different reasons. And, but it's sort of neat in that way. Anyway, um, uh, it was in 3D way back in the day. I think one of the first iterations of, of 3D, maybe the second iteration of 3D, yep. or a carryover from that sort of mid-50s 3D, uh, in, in any case. Uh, it's a really, really neat kind of movie. I like it quite a lot. That the, the, There is, in fact, a big, gigantic storm in the movie, and it's kind of gripping. It's a high seas adventure kind of thing that's going on there. Uh, all kinds of special features on this, uh, uh, in, including uh, some theatrical trailers from way back in the day, uh, a black and white spot, uh, uh, an animation, some other 3D shorts, uh, an interview from Tony Solomon to the, uh, and from director Lewis Gilbert, who I've, I've always been yep. Lewis Gilbert fan. Yep. Uh, so pretty neat. That's um, from Kino Classics. Very nice. And then uh, also from Kino, we have uh, Philip Kaufman's The Wanderers. Oh, Ken Wall, dude. Uh, you know? That's my first Ken Wall movie. Yeah. Who went on to play uh, the wise guy. I wise guy on television, TV. yeah. And uh, and Philip Kaufman, of course, you know, the right stuff, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Unbearable Lightness of Being, Henry and June, one of my all-time favorite directors. I mean, just an amazing I mean, talent. Philip Kaufman is the guy that created, because of him, the NC-17, because of well, Henry and June. He's also He also created Indiana Jones. People don't realize yeah, that. That yeah. was his character. He yeah. was sitting around on vacation with George Lucas at some point, and uh, they just started talking about it. And he's the guy that came, apparently, alleged as the story goes, he's the one that came up with Indiana Jones, which is why he gets the co-story credit on Raiders of the Lost Ark. But everybody still thinks it's just a Steven Spielberg movie. No, no, nope. it was it was Lucas and Kaufman. Uh, in any case, uh, The Wanderers yeah. is a really sharp film. Uh, also has Karen Allen in it, young, very young Karen Allen, and it's just really sharp. From 1979, uh, feels much more like an 80s movie. They did a complete 2K restoration on this, and it just looks beautiful. It's absolutely fantastic. It takes place in 1963. Has that whole period vibe to it. It's uh, it's just it's just a really 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 great film, and um, that was a Richard that was a Richard Price novel, you know. Yes, it was, yeah. and this includes not only the two hour release version, but the uh, theatrical pre the the non theatrical preview cut, which was six minutes longer. This has that on it as well, and that's kind of a legendary lost film in some quarters because there's some stuff in it which I won't mention, but there's some relevant stuff in it. So uh, serious fans of Kaufman and film history in general will just get such a kick out of this. It is such a perfect period recreation of an, and such a fascinating movie. Uh, a John Wayne classic here, Dakota, um, a, a film that I really, really like because of what it's about. Yep. 
Uh, this film is set in, in, during that period in the late 1870s when the railroad people, mm -hmm. the oil people, and the cattle people, the land barons were yep. all going at it. Yep. Uh, and, and, and what was more or less a sort of wild, wild west, you know, crooked this and crooked that, and they're fighting over the town of Fargo. Yeah. You know, uh, who, who, who is going to control Fargo? Will it be mm -hmm. the wheat farmers? Will it be the... And that stuff is really interesting because there's a lot of history in that stuff. Yeah. And and a lot of the reason the way the reasons why our nation looks the way it looks today has to do with the kind of stuff that's going on in this movie. It's fascinating. Not to mention this is just a rip roaring badass movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, audio commentary uh, by Western historian Toby Roan, which I think is an interesting thing they brought in a Western historian to talk about it. Joseph Chain directs. Uh, 1945, this film. In my mind, this film was older. In my mind, I thought this film was from the mid-30s. Right. But no, 1945. Yeah. So there you go. And the uh, the last two from the uh, Kino Classics line, 1972's very underrated ZPG, Zero Population Growth, which is... Uh, Rod Steiger. Uh, 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 Oliver Reed and Geraldine Chaplin. Geraldine Chaplin. Yeah, this is uh, this fee this is very much in that in that dystopian vein that we were getting at the time, right? The, I mean, uh, Soylent Green, Omega Man, Logan's Run. There was a lot of stuff at that in that uh, in, in that time that was very much of that vein, and this is in keeping with that. Oliver Reed is creepy as can be in this thing, uh, and Geraldine Chaplin, you know, just a few years after Doctor Zhivago, terrific as well. Um, it, it's, it's much more like a kind of a, a 70s version of a Brave New World. Very, very, very cool. So this has an audio commentary by historian Steve Rifle and uh, a trailer gallery that's really, really a blast from the past. Interesting movie, fascinating, really like it a lot, highly recommended. Uh, and then lastly... You got another one over there? Okay. Yeah, then lastly we got this. You know, we're going to have to pop that to next week. I think okay. we're going to run out of time here. But uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Lifeboat is finally out on uh, on uh, Blu-ray. Hitchcock has his cameo in here on the back of a newspaper. My favorite Tulula Bank hit. It's great. So, uh, but otherwise, this is, uh, you know, it's it all takes place on a lifeboat. It's a bit of an experiment, but it's worth checking out. Uh, it's not Hitchcock's best film, but a lot of people really, really love it. Uh, it was right before he made the, the big jump to, uh, to bigger, more elaborate thrillers. Came on the heels of Rebecca. Very interesting movie, uh, but not a great film. Has a commentary by a film historian and uh, some interesting interviews and uh, another commentary by a film professor named Drew Casper. And that's it. We will see you next week. All right.